Welcome to the podcast. It's kind of a special episode tonight, actually, um, and we will get to why that is in just a moment. First, just wanted to quickly, uh, you know, do the usual thing, call out some new followers in Ultima Dragons. Um, have a couple new followers for the podcast on Podbean this week. We've got Ammo10 and Briona123, so welcome to both. And then uh, there's a few new members of the Ultima Dragons groups on both Facebook and Google+. Uh, we have Rodrigo, who also joined the Google Plus group. He joined on Facebook as well. We have Colin, joined the Facebook group. And then also on the Google Plus side, we have Martin. So welcome and splut to all. Splut, the traditional greeting of the Ultima Dragons. It's the sound of a pie hitting you in the face. <laughs> so you heard a little bit of laughter there. And we're joined tonight. Um, it's actually a weird circumstance because... We don't have Linguistic Dragon anymore. He's, well, he hasn't permanently left, but he's not going to be with us for at least a couple of weeks. So um, I reached out to uh, Colby and Gordon uh, from Iron Oak Games. So this is the team, some of the team at any rate, uh, behind the game for the King, which some of you who are listening to this may uh, recall, I mean, it's a, it's a project that I've talked about on the Ultima Codex a fair bit, and you may recall that it had its origins in a board game adaptation of Ultima 7. There's a picture of it on their Kickstarter page, and we're going to be talking um, a little bit about that. But, you know, first, let's just actually give a, a bit of a welcome to, uh, to Colby and to Gordon. Welcome, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. Great to be here. All right, so let's just, uh, I mean, obviously things are on hold with the Blackgate board game, um, let's say indefinitely, because For the King has come along, and uh, I think a lot of what I wanted to actually, well, what I'd hope to get out of the podcast, and we'll see if we can achieve this, is kind of just understanding um the genesis of for the king and you know because i mean i know you know you were working on the blackgate board game and you were working on the unity version of the blackgate board game yep. uh, and then suddenly that you know paused and for the king emerged out of that but um you know just want to briefly call out call back to a bit of history here um I first posted about the Blackgate board game. I'm looking at the codex now uh, on July 3rd of 2013. And yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. And I mean, I first heard about it from my wife's cousin, uh, Troy, Troy Archie. Yes. Who, uh, gosh, it must have been, I just based on the dates, it must have been like a family Easter party that he pulled me aside. And he's just like, you know, oh, my friend is working on this board game and it's, it's Ultima. And it's really cool. <laughs> yeah. He told me the story. It, uh, yeah, you guys were at some sort of an event and he saw Ultima on your phone. I think it was like, a the codex oh, right. logo or something like that. And then yeah. he started telling you about, uh, my side project and small world, I guess. It's just the, you know, the, owner of the biggest Ultima fan site on earth just happened to be there. And so, yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah, it was. And I mean, he was like ludicrously excited. So, and, and it was cool because I mean, you know, 
Ultima seven, but as a board game, I wasn't sure how it would work. But when I saw, you know, you put your website up a, a few weeks later and, uh, you know, when I, I said, wow, this like, this is serious. This is, this is cool <laughs> stuff. Um, and it did, it looked like, I mean, and the artistry was just, I mean, brilliant. Yeah. Uh, so, thank you. And thank you. Thank you in turn for, um, that copy of the map that, you know, you, you, you sent to us incomplete though. Incomplete. It, yes. Though One it day it'll be, be done. Yeah. I, I promise you'll get it someday. <laughs> you know what? It's still gorgeous. It's you know, <laughs> I, yeah, no, no complaints about that. I just got to figure out how to print it large enough to go somewhere here. Um, anyways, it actually wasn't all that long before the project made the jump to unity. And I mean, you're looking back over my coverage, you know, July, 2013, I think it was November. If I were to, posted if I about correctly. it initially. Yeah. Uh, November would be about December 3rd is when I picked up the first video that you released yeah. for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, okay. So the jump to digital came about because, um, I had been getting so many questions about distribution and that's, it was kind of an awkward topic. I mean, I can't really distribute it um, legally and obviously the only way to really do it would be online and to put the components online for people to pr uh, print themselves. And uh, then I'm imagining people playing with like paper tokens and whatnot. And it just was <laughs> not sitting well with me. So I was like, okay, I, I'm, you know, I've got a, fairly strong technical background gord is you know he's a close friend of mine and he's got uh, lots of game dev experience so he knew unity inside and out and so he helped me learn it and yeah i just started making uh the, the digital version and uh it was it just went well um also it, it just it was just kind of like this seamless transition and uh um looking back i mean it was a pretty clunky prototype but uh it, it did work and uh yeah so the transition to FTK was then, should I continue dumping thousands of hours into this when, you know, I can't distribute anything that says Ultima on it? Um, right. Should I just, should I make my own product? Should I get a team together and just build our own IP and then just, you know, develop our own title? So it was kind of a no-brainer at that point after having put so many hours into it. It was just, you know, I, I think... You know, I'd already committed, so I, I just I had to take the next step, and it was FTK was born essentially. Yeah, and I mean, I remember seeing like the first few images you threw up on like Instagram. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> I can't remember if you put any on the U7 board game site, but I definitely remember some of the ones on Instagram. And honestly, I mean, you had me fooled. And Gord, <laughs> if this was your handiwork, because I know you're doing a lot of the the art side. Um, but you know, if this was your handiwork, then kudos uh, through and through. Because the first few pictures that I saw from the game, I'm just like, wow, these are really cool game pieces. You know, uh, I totally thought that you know you had transitioned away from making an Ultima theme board game specifically to making a, a totally different, you know, like another board game, um, just based on the, the the shots that I saw. It looked so much like you know. Uh, some of those uh, tilt shift miniature fakes or like, you know, close-ups of, of models. To totally. Yeah, no, that's, that's, thanks a lot. It's good to hear. Um, that's definitely one of the, the driving forces behind the aesthetic is we wanted to sort of maintain that, that, 
that board game feel to it and, and really play off um, tabletop miniatures that you might use in a D&D game or um, something that felt sort of tactile and tangible um, and and really just sort of brought you back to the, the origins of being a board game. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you were fooled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was, I was well and truly fooled. It was, uh, I think Colby had a good laugh at me over that one. That was good. <laughs> so, all right. So, um, obviously, uh, you know, that, gosh, when did you, when did you make the, uh, when did you make the switch to, to that? Let me just go back and take a look here. When, when would it have been about the Genesis for, when would it have been about the start for the board game? Cause I'm trying to think, or sorry about for, for the King rather, because I'm trying to think the project, that- the cancellation notice was 17 Feb, 2014. That was when I put that yeah. uh, news up. And then I noticed was, you had transitioned to Iron Oak, the name Iron Oak from Sixth Circle, uh, on November 11th of 2014. But I think it was before that that you actually um, made that shift. It was right around the same time. I think I announced the uh, um, the cancellation of the board game. Yeah, probably a few weeks before. Um, I really had any pieces in place for FTK. Um, I think I think it was on March. Um, I contacted um, the first person I contacted was my friend Sean, and uh, Sean's actually an old friend of uh, me and Troy from high school. So he's uh, he's a great writer and whatnot. And I think I contacted him March 2014, and uh, he just started working on uh, some news. Uh, story elements whatnot that we can convert into uh, a reskinning of the black gate and uh yeah it was it was early in the year and then gord joined shortly after i think it was like april or i can't remember gord yeah i think it was something something around there yeah just in a in a part-time capacity yeah yeah okay cool um all right yeah so i guess i kind of because i noticed yeah like late april there was a little update on the six circle gaming website that you were alive and well there was no real you didn't i don't recall that you specified uh what was being worked on yeah we were a little secretive for a while you know it was up (laughs) in the air and whatnot i didn't want to just jump out and be like hey i'm working on this thing that isn't clearly defined and you guys have no reason to really care about it yet so I kind of, I was kind of holding my cards a little closer and, um, yeah, it was just, it was just, you know, the best choice at that time to kind of be secretive and whatnot. And now of course we're standing on rooftops shouting it. So, yeah. And I mean, great work by the way, like, you know, I, you, you, you posted that teaser trailer in uh, July of this year, yeah. uh, announced the Kickstarter coming uh, 2015. And then, you know, you started to put out a little bit of information on the website. Um, you know, noticed a little bit of a, you know, obviously some refinement in the aesthetic a little bit. Um, started to, okay, now I can see, you know, there's the party of three adventures, you know, some, so details do start to come out. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, obviously the Kickstarter campaign kicked off, uh, a couple, well, the 15th, I guess. Um, was it the 15th or the 14th? It was the 15th. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I did actually get it same day. Wow. That doesn't always happen. anymore. <laughs> but, uh, and that's done tremendously well. I, I have to say, like, I mean, 
your initial goal was 40,000. You've hit, uh, I'm seeing, uh, we're recording this on Friday evening, the 25th, and you've hit uh, 85,181. So you've more than doubled on your goal. That's awesome. Definitely going well. We've been pretty pleased with that. Mm-hmm. I, we're, you know, little, oh, oh, go ahead. I'm just saying we're a little blindsided by it, to be honest. It was, it happened so fast and, you know, we were <coughs> absolutely petrified before we clicked publish on the Kickstarter page and uh, it just steamrolled and <laughs> kept going. And yeah, it was a pretty wild day that first day. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the outpouring of support has been just absolutely tremendous by the community um, the the supporters and the backers and the comment sections and through emails and messaging. I mean, we've we've really developed a an awesome little tight knit community already, and it, it's 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 awesome. It's fantastic, and we can't we can't wait to see where this goes. Yeah, I uh, you know actually I was showing the uh, I showed the page to a coworker at uh, at my office, and. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he, he's, you know, he's a console gamer, um, prefers stuff in like the Bloodborne Dark Souls category. Usually it's, you know, often what he talks about. I think he's working through Metal Gear Solid as well. Um, but, uh, I showed him the Kickstarter and he's just like, this looks so awesome. I think he actually found a way, uh, we have, we have like a web filter, uh, and he must've found a way like around that so that he could, you know pledge to the project via Amazon payments because it looks amazon.com normally, but he yeah. just walks back up to my desk an hour later. He's just like, I totally backed that. So I'll tell awesome. thanks. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I got to admit like you hit, if I recall correctly, um, just as part of running the codex, I mean, I, I, you know, I have this massive, I use Feedly for a lot of my RSS stuff. Um, right used to use Google reader, but then Google decided to get rid of a good thing. So, Mm -hmm. but anyways, um, so, I mean, I follow, you know, easily hundred, 125 gaming websites, right? A lot of the mainline ones, you know, your PC gamers and Euro gamers and Gama Sutras, and then sort of a lot of the niche ones too, like tech Raptor niche gamer, things like that. And you guys, hit your goal. You hit 40 K before I saw a single story about you on any of them. Um, you know, now I'm seeing the news coming out, you know, it's like now I'm starting to see coverage appearing on some of these sites, but it's just like, uh, total it, word. I, I suspect at least total word of mouth success for the campaign, but we had, um, a lot of support from friends and family. I mean, we were, we made a note of uh, letting them know about our campaign and kind of how important it is to pledge the first day to help build momentum. And that was a really effective strategy and Hmm. something that I would recommend anybody did if they were considering Kickstarter. So they helped immensely. And then, you know, it kind of, it just, um, it just, it caused a stampede that first day and um, I totally credit them for it. And, yeah, it was it was really fast. Really, what a, it was just a whirlwind that entire day. So it was really really enjoyable, and we're really grateful for it. Yeah, we 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 have a, a PR company handling the the press release for us. Being a small team, you know, we we don't really have a lot of time for all the marketing efforts and and whatnot. And their initial plan was okay. Well, we'll you know we'll wait we'll wait a day or two to 
you know, uh, release these these press releases and 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 do the marketing because we want sort of some sort of base already um, in the campaign. So when the press comes, they'll see okay, there's some traction behind it. But that first day went so quick and so well. They they gave us a call, you know, early in the morning. They're like, we're just we're going ahead with this press release, you know, right now. We're we're not going to wait. We're just going to do it because you guys are rock and rolling. So um, they they sent out the releases and it probably took about a day or so for, like you said, to start seeing them uh, in the press and, and, and on the sites. But uh, it was sort of an testament to just, just how crazy and, and, and how viral it went there uh, right at the start. Yeah. I think we hit our funding goal in just over 24 hours. So it's absolutely amazing. We're, we're so, so grateful. Yeah. 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 That was immense work. Cause I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, obviously seen many successful Kickstarters backed several of them. Um, apparently I just unlocked an achievement on Kickstarter actually when I backed yours, <laughs> oh, oh, you nice backed so many games, <laughs> gamification for the win. But, uh, you know, I've also seen a lot that have failed, including some that, you know, I mean, you know, Chris Taylor, you know, the guy who gave us dungeon siege couldn't pull off a successful Kickstarter. <laughs> you nailed your goal yeah. in a day. So that was good. It's a mysterious world for sure. I mean, you really you gotta your presentation has to be on point and you know you have to have gameplay to back up what you're talking about and i mean i think a lot of people are a little hesitant to back any projects that don't have like established gameplay in place already um and it's it's definitely from what i gather it's probably not as easy to kickstart as it used to be so i mean you really got to be prepared and you know have a just a, a solid package put together and i think yeah, to Gord's credit, he did so so much work on the art side of it and whatnot. So he he really he really had the game in a representable state, and it, it really showed well. You know, though, I think too, like it's just <clears throat> looking at all the different graphics on the Kickstarter page itself. Like, I mean, you you hit so many just these. What I love is just there's just tiny little details here. Like, you know, there's the 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 animated GIF of Orton or Orton. Um, the the starting point for the adventure right um which which i love too it's the fact that you know like you have this randomly generated world but there's like this one common starting point and then you know it's like and the adventure goes and there's this one story i guess i assume that kind of weaves through the world but you know the 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 layout would like change every time so it's like you can kind of keep replaying the story and it'll be a little bit different i assume with each experience of it but just um we can maybe come back to that in a minute. I just wanted to finish this point is like, you know, I'm looking at like the Orton gif and, you know, just like this beautiful, like, you know, I mean, there's the land, there's the clouds. You can see the little village there. The day night cycle is clearly illustrated the dynamic shadows. And then just above it is actually, I think my favorite gif. So it's just under the, uh, the, the adventure banner. You know, so weave your own unique tales in epic single player or multiplayer RPG that spans across yeah. the realms. And it's the shot of, I think it's the blacksmith character. He like rolls three hammers and he inflicts damage, like 10 damage, and he knocks out that rock troll or whatever it is, right? But yeah. it's the skeleton yeah. beside him. It's the skeleton beside him that I just <laughs> absolutely love, you know, because his head just tracks right head he tracking looks, I was waiting for you to say it yeah. yeah he like he looks and then he looks back and it's just it's a little detail but it just you know it communicates so much about just the level of 
of, of attention to detail and design that's gone into this. He doesn't look very concerned, though, I must say. I mean, he obviously knows what's about to happen here. I don't know around and ran, but... <laughs> well, you know, I mean, <clears throat> most... Me, unless you're... What's that game? Kill the Plumber is another game, I think, that's on Kickstarter right now. You know, unless you're the cast of Kick the Plumber, you know, you kind of, I think, just accept, oh, I'm the bad guy in this scenario. I'm supposed to get <laughs> toasted yeah. by the heroes. I'm next. Yeah. Certain yeah. dude. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, maybe just... Thank you very uh, much, though. Let's... Yeah, no, that's, I just, little things like that just make, make these things. Um, so, I mean, obviously I, I gather that, you know, you are going to want to kind of closely guard things uh, in terms of, of plot. So I'm not going to try and tease too much, but was I at least kind of right there in that, you know, like, even though the world's completely randomly generated, there's kind of always going to be, you know, places like, you know, it's the same towns like Orton and wherever else you happen to be going. And they'll just be in like different arrangements each time. That's exactly it. There's uh, we've got about nine realms right now, and in, currently in the pre-alpha state of the game, at any given time, there's only six realms. So it'll draw um six realms from a pool of nine currently. So and each realm has its own uh, towns and haunts and sanctums and all these different uh, POIs we call them points of interest that have different me- mechanics associated with them. So they kind of force you to play your game differently every time because they all be you have a different set of tools to use every time so the story always remains the same the story is a constant but it's the uh the mechanics that are randomized and they they force you to play differently and which results in a completely different adventure every time right and then in addition to that too i mean just looking at like you know your frost realm stretch goal right like that's total um <laughs> total serpentile and that you know you know when you walk into the frozen lands like if you're not properly equipped you'll you'll die right yeah yeah um, i'm assuming that other biomes similarly like you know have um, maybe like equipment based requirements like you know if you're not properly equipped to go in here then this will happen or yeah there's um i mean things are still like we're still pretty early in development so we've got a lot of ideas that just aren't quite fleshed out but um something that you would recognize from ultima would be like swamp boots and oh, yeah, okay. do we have them in the game right now? No. Do I want them? Yes. <laughs> so there's going to be uh, poison hexes and whatnot, which we've already got, but I would like to have some sort of like equipable um, item that allows you to bypass these hexes without any sort of uh, negative effect. So I would love to have some sort of like, you know, swamp boot system and whatnot and uh, any sort of other equipable item that allows you to, you know, traverse through like, the hazardous conditions and whatnot. So We'll see where it goes. It's still still fairly early, but uh, we'll definitely be considering many things like that, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like, too, you know, you've got a lot of, you know, um, crafting systems kind of in the pipeline. Um, you know, a lot of the ability to just, like, find and you know, combine items and, and herbs and reagents, if for lack of a better term, to, to achieve different outcomes. Yeah. Um, um, so the, the crafting system is, uh, again, it's not completely fleshed out, but uh, we've got a pretty solid plan in place for it. And it's uh, um, it's going to be a persistent system. So when you find recipes for weapons, um, you can gather resources and uh, take those resources to um, this guy called Marvin. And he, he's, a, he's like this crazy blacksmith who's also a key plot element of the story. And uh, he can persistently craft you legendary weapons and the legendary weapons are these things that you'll be able to use in future 
um, playthroughs if you've managed to successfully craft them in the past. So it's uh, it's a one of a few persistent elements in the game is, is our crafting. So it's not something you don't want to you know craft the same hammer every single game because it's just kind of lame. So right. you know we'll have probably a, a dozen or so weapons that you can uh, that you can kind of work towards and uh, chip away at over multiple playthroughs, and you finally you know unlock a, a recipe for an item you've been trying to get, and then you'll always have that available to you in your future games. So that's kind nice. of how that's going to work. That's cool. So you you roll a different cast of characters each time, but then sort of you're accumulating this common body of lore and, and recipes as they go along. That's exactly it. Yeah. And then not only that, but there's, um, there are other characters, uh, other playable characters that you can find, uh, recruit or rescue or, or meet through various circumstances. And, um, if you complete certain challenges, then you'll unlock them as well for future playthroughs. So you might unlock a, a whole different class of, of character to use. So it's, it is a sort of a common element with the crafting and with the unlocking of the characters and the, the lore, which is essentially unlocking wor- uh, mechanics in the world. Um, it's a big thing that you're, you're constantly improving the game as time goes on, and uh, upping your chances for success. Yeah. And actually, I mean, you know, you mentioned that, you know, challenging roguelike adventure is one of the, the listed features. So is this going to be like a case where uh, with a lot of roguelikes, you know, it's not necessary. I mean, I guess the modern uh, example might be something like Infinity Blade, where it's not, you know, that you necessarily will get through to the end of the game on the set of characters that you start with. Is, is that kind of how it is? Like, you know, your cast of characters may occasionally wind up dying and then it's kind of like the next cast that follows them that might continue to advance and get a little further in the plot? Um, potentially. Um, we've got some ideas for kind of how our permadeath system is going to work. And as you said, like the, the characters are completely disposable. Um, I, ideally, that you, you can find them and recruit new ones in a in a single game session. So if you find a hunter in a town that wants to join your quest, then you can bring him aboard. If he dies, well, he's dead. But um, you can you could in theory collect a new cast of characters to use that that are completely different by the end of the game than they were at the beginning of the game. So um, yeah, like characters will come and go, and they're just kind of tools that you use to you know collect lore in the game and advance the story and. Um, advance all the the persistent mechanics and whatnot. So definitely don't get a ch- uh, attached to your characters because they they will <laughs> most likely die. And and every time you start a new game, you will be you'll selecting new characters. So that's the plan for that. Cool. Yeah, and I mean, like I noticed, like uh, I'm just trying to kind of keep myself on here. So, um, and then. Too. I mean, I like this idea of like, you know, um, j- just the way like the world is described, right? Where, you know, you have um, <laughs> challenges or like these uh, haunts and scourges, things that might be time dependent, you know, like they emerge at different times of day, uh, the weather and other natural events. Um, it sounds like you're really building a lot of, you know, dynamism into the world of the game which is i mean again from coming from you know ultima this is really nice to see um yeah the uh the scourges are are an interesting one um they're essentially like uh they're they're selected to um 
be part of your game the same way like the realms are like there's going to be a, a large pool of scourges and um each one has like a, a a global mechanic that they alter like we've got one that affects time we've got one that affects you know uh shop prices we've got one that simply just stalks you and wants to kill you and um they all kind of cause different types of fear in the game and when they join the game it's like um they drastically change the fundamentally what like what's happening in the world and it, it alters your your goal instantly like as soon as the the old one who was kind of like our father time style character as soon as he's in the game he is putting your quest in instant jeopardy and time is uh, such a commodity in our game and he essentially makes it go twice as fast and the faster the uh, the faster time's going the more quickly the game's gaining in difficulty so there's kind of like this wave of uh difficulty that can swallow you up and if it surpasses you then you've really got no hope so the old one can really throw a monkey wrench in your plan so uh mm -hmm. there's all sorts of ways that the these different scourges come in and uh definitely screw up uh your your plans and whatnot so it's it's pretty interesting lots of like interweaving mechanics and uh this causes like just things that that create a unique gameplay session every time so it's it's pretty neat it's uh, something we're pretty proud of yeah it's it's that that dynamism uh is super important for for games like for the king and 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 roguelikes it's just because every play session uh we want to be unique and we want you to sort of have a unique adventure and something unexpected and so by, by introducing a lot of these sort of dynamic systems, they play off each other. And sometimes they play off each other in ways that we never even expected. And it can be, um, they can be pretty hilarious at times. Um, you know, it can, it, they can be, uh, pretty, pretty dreadful. Um, but it's, it's always something unique, unexpected and, and fun. Well, you had a lot of that. Uh, you know, Colby in, in the design of the Blackgate board game too. I mean, I remember some of the posts you wrote about the play sessions you would do yeah. where it'd be just like, you know, <clears throat> this or that random event would strike uh, based on, you know, uh, the, the system you'd created and just, you know, the, the tailspin that it would sometimes throw yeah. <laughs> the party into. And, and that's always a, such a pleasant surprise when uh, you know you build a system like that, and it just surprises you with something you've never seen before, and it gives you ideas for new systems and whatnot. And yeah, there's some pretty uh, pretty good gut busters from uh, um, from Blackgate. I remember one was uh, actually it was me, Gord, and another friend, Sterling. We were we were uh, playing a game, and I think uh, Sterl was our wizard, and he was like this. It was the wizard was like the new class it was kind of untested and i had these wands in the game that uh they were also untested and the way i made them was that they were extremely powerful um like so powerful that, that you, you know you could just blaze through dungeons and whatnot but their drawback was that if you got a critical fail they would just explode and you'd be left with nothing <laughs> so uh we were we were down on uh we were in Dunge Dungeon Hithloth on uh, Isle of the Avatar. It was like in the furthest corner of the map, completely isolated. We all saved up and bought a boat. And Sterling was this all-powerful wizard. And uh, we were just riding his coattails. It was just hilarious. He was just killing everything in sight. And he had so much money. And uh, we were in a dungeon. We ran to a dragon. And he went to just liquefy it. And his wand exploded. And uh, we just all burst out laughing. And then... Gordon and I both successfully ran from combat 
and uh, <laughs> leaving Sterl behind. He went to a flea and he completely whiffed on it. And the dragon just chewed him in half. And uh, but the thing, the weird thing about it was that he had the compassion virtue, and the compassion virtue had had a mechanic on it where if you died, you wouldn't lose anything that you were carrying with you. And he had the boat deed with him, so he got re- he respawned in his starting town with the boat deed, meaning that we couldn't use the boat to get off the island. So Gord and I were <laughs> stuck on the Isle of the Avatar with a boat we couldn't use. And so the, our only choice, cho- uh, our only choice was to go back in the dungeon and just, <laughs> just start killing stuff. And I think, I think we ended up dying as well. That was a pretty quick death. Yeah. It was hilarious. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, those are like, in 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 a certain sense, I mean that kind of you know harkens back to to even stuff like Dungeons and Dragons, right? Oh, you know, absolutely. It's like yeah. you know any any sort of random event, whether it's the 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 GM's own twisted imagination or you're rolling off the the random event table or things like that, right? Like I mean, just <laughs> just any little shakeup that's like, okay, now the game is going to go this way. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. And that's kind of the things that like that I've been trying to achieve in FDK. Just, you know, you can't rely on your plan because it's probably not going to play out the way you think it is. So, you know, you got to learn to adapt really quickly and, you know, learn to laugh at your misfortune and more, more so learn to laugh at others misfortune. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's which is what's sort of the interesting thing in my mind about FTK is that it's it's a cooperative roguelike. So we've been in these situations before um, in other games where you're playing single player and misfortune happens to you and it's a bummer, you got to restart and whatnot. But it's it's a particularly funny uh, brand of tragedy when it happens to your friends right in front of your eyes. Yeah, yeah especially when you know they can't get anything going. There's having like everybody just seems to have like. Like out of one a party of three, day. one person's yeah. always having just a bad run, and it's always this one person. Just all these horrible things happening too. They can't find a good weapon, or keep dying, and they're just you know holding you back pretty much. And but you just all you can do is laugh about it. So, but it's and it's those it's those those lows that make the highs so much sweeter, and and that's really part of of FTK is is the highs and the lows, um, the full range of emotions is what we're trying to go for in terms of the adventure and and so um yeah those lows aren't totally necessary to get those high points when when you're just you know when when you're the king and when when you're just trouncing everything in sight so well it's it's interesting that you know you talk about uh, the emotional highs and lows too because i mean you know thinking about your comment earlier about how you know not to get too attached to your characters but then right here just above the exploration banner on the kickstarter page there's this you know another screenshot and it's just this wonderfully little intimate scene where you've got the the three characters just kind of chillaxing around a campfire and you know it almost kind of invokes that saying you know these guys have been buddies forever they're like the companions <laughs> or something like that of, of of the avatar right they're just they're just having a break here um <clears throat> So, uh, I don't, I don't know if that's a posed shot or if that's going to be something that's, you know, going to, to, to be in the game. And if there's going to be that sense of companionship between the players, but that's certainly what the image evokes. Right. So, exactly. yeah, it's just, uh, you know, the, the game is an intimate adventure, essentially. I mean, wh- whether or not, you know, your hero lives or dies, it doesn't really matter along the way, you're going to see all sorts of crazy things and you'll be with your companions and, uh, you know, it'll just be, 
it'll be your own adventure. It's going to be like nobody else's. So, I mean, just that intimate shot of, uh, um, of the campfire and whatnot, it's just kind of, it's just a, a very common, uh, um, sentiment. I think that you'd get from any sort of adventure like that. Might be interesting too, you know, to, to, happen upon the points in the game where that scene would occur if you were playing with your friends right like the three you know just like polish off a dungeon and then pitch a camp for the night and then you can just kind (laughs) of yeah well we we do have uh these little things called safe camps and they were in black gate in a more rudimentary form but uh essentially you can use a a tinder box and a tinder box will uh put up a tent wherever wherever you happen to be standing and essentially if you end your turn at a safe camp you get a little bit of uh health and anybody else who ends their turn on your safe camp as well can get that same health replenishment so it's kind of like you're, you're putting a little uh comfort zone somewhere out in the middle of these dangerous realms and uh other players can come to them and um essentially get some a little rest from the the adventure so there there's other mechanics that go with it as well that's kind of like it's it's basic mechanic nice um speaking of exploration and and again just kind of looking at the the shots of like you know the what i assume is the overworld is it a dual scale map then it's like you know you wander on the overworld but then when you come to a town you get taken to like a separate screen that's the town or um there is i mean there's the battle dioramas which was what you've seen on the kickstarter page so um, when you encounter an enemy, you'll get kind of a more zoomed-in uh, version of, of that realm that you're standing in. The towns are currently just an overworld-only um, art asset, and we'll see where it goes. We've talked a little bit about doing town di- dioramas and, and whatnot. Um, currently, though, they are just uh, there's POIs on the board. So if you if you land in a town, um, a menu will pop up and give you all those, that that exact town's options and uh, shop prices and any services that it offers. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I'm kind of pivoting then off, you know, your, your comment there to combat. So, you know, the combat really does look interesting. I mean, I, I have to admit, um, while I can fully acknowledge respect for JRPGs and what they are, um, I have never personally really been able to, um, get into you know how something like a final fantasy uh would implement combat okay um but then again i look at the screens here and it's just okay this seems a little bit more you know this this seems a a little bit more than than just that right like the, the mechanics seem a little bit more um i don't even have the right word for them but there's just a little bit more of engagement there. For, yeah, I think I think the the word that I like to use is we're going for a little bit more of a visceral feel to them. They 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 have weight to them, so there's not a lot of crazy summoning and and meteors falling ups. from the sky and stuff. They're very quick. They're very visceral. They're very brutal. They're often decided uh, um, through only a few uh, rounds, a few blows. Um, so you got to be very smart about who you're attacking, how you're attacking them, and, and even when to attack. When you need to know when you need you're overpowered and you need to run. So um, we sort of one of the the things that keeps coming up is we're trying to mimic uh, real world ish mechanics for whatever that's worth. Um, and so how would how would a combat like this actually go down? 
Um, and, and, you know, would, would there be all this crazy magic and, and long back and forth sessions or would it be decided by a few swipes of an axe? And so that's sort of a, one of the guiding forces, which is, I think, why they feel a little different than a, a standard JRPG battle. Yeah. And your weapons break. <laughs> and your yes. weapons break. Yeah, at the most yeah. inopportune times. <laughs> yeah, they will break. <laughs> yeah, I, I like this picture of the of the ranger with his hammer, just like, okay, I'm going in for the attack, and oh no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, actually, on the, uh, I, is it going to be like a case where you know um, characters are going to be able to you know carry an entire arsenal and switch it on the fly, or like if my weapon breaks in combat, am I like? hosed until i burn a turn on switching weapons or will i even have multiple weapons to switch um, between you've got a belt and uh currently in the game it's not possible to equip a um a, a weapon from your belt but in the black gate i liked uh I, I had a rule where you could keep any weapon on your belt you had you could carry up to i think three items it was and if you had a belt weapon then you could swap it at any time just like in uh, ultima 7 so um it was kind of handy if you had if you had a kind of a weird weapon that you didn't want to use all the time then sure you could throw it on your belt and do the switch during combat so i think in, eventually in ftk i would like to implement belt weapons and uh just giving players the option to mix it up on the fly and uh you know just be like uh, giving them the chance to be prepared for when disaster strikes and then it's the players that aren't prepared that are going to be you know forced to duke it out with their fists or uh forced to flee from combat so it's it'll kind of reward the the players that kind of think ahead and, and whatnot so i would like to have yeah the belt weapons for sure mm-hmm. oh and i see you do actually mention that here yeah um just I, above yeah, the, I think I say it in there. yeah just above the underworld peril section you know yeah you mentioned that right. so yeah, that'd be well. That'd be good. Um, actually, speaking of the underworld, so um, I, I mean, I'm this. The dungeons will obviously be randomly generated as well. Um, is it going to be like a multiple floors thing, like you know, a Stygian abyss, or is they going to be like one continuous thing? It's multiple floors. Um, so the the Black Gate rules were um, you would every dungeon would start at level one, and it would have like your you know your typical uh, you know skeletons and kind of like light enemies and kind of you know not so great treasure and whatnot but when you found the card that says okay this dungeon is now level two then if you want to continue to explore this dungeon you have to draw from the dungeon level two deck and that deck was about five times harder um (laughs) but the treasure was just spectacular like all the craziest weapons were down there so that's essentially how ftk will work um being that it's a digital system, we can have as many floors as we want now, which is nice. I mean, in in the board game, it would have been you know multiple decks, so I wouldn't want to have three or four decks just for the dungeons. That's just too many. But right. yeah, with FTK, hopefully we'll we'll have you know three or four floors per dungeon, and um, and, they just, and the difficulty just progresses with, with each stairwell that you find. Nice. I have to say too, I, I really like the. Uh... <laughs> the the base selection of classes in the game because they're not really they're, they're not really the traditional classes you know you've got the the hunter who's kind of your rangery type and then you've got the scholar who's i guess kind of a magey type um and then you've got the blacksmith um but you know so they kind of there there's some allusions there to you know the the classic uh fighter wizard rogue combo 
but not yeah. quite. They're uh, they're regular citizens, so I mean they're uh, they're they're not heroes. I mean, realistically, like, how, how likely is it for you know just you know a, a knight to stop what he's doing and go save the world or whatever? I mean, it's just obviously that's not going to happen. But I mean, if it were to happen, it would be a regular person like like you or I, and these are just uh, regular Joes that uh, you know recognized what was happening in the world and uh you know they respected their king enough that they're dropping dropping their everything they, they did and the, everything uh you know the, all the responsibilities that they had and they said okay let's just solve this crisis right now so these are just regular people of Ferul and uh yeah they're just being forced into a very unfortunate situation right and yeah and so <sighs> So that is kind of the the framing plot of the game. Then like the king has been assassinated, yeah. and um, <clears throat> the queen. It says here, it says the the queen has put out a desperate call to you know uh, to the citizens, as you mentioned, to just you know to rise up and help stem the tide of impending doom, as you as you put it. So um, you probably don't want to add too too much to that, but <laughs> <laughs> there is well, more to it. But uh, it's you know we don't want to spoil anything. And, and also, I mean, we're still pre-alpha. So, I mean, some of those, the plot points and story elements are, aren't hundred percent in place yet. I think we know exactly basically what we want to happen, but uh, the, there's still some elements that we're kind of massaging to work with the mechanics and whatnot. So, I mean, even if we could tell you what the story was, it might not be the same as what it is when, uh, when we launch. So, right. Leave it at that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no. And, I'm just kind of looking over the the rest here. I mean, okay, so you know, you do have the scourges, but then you also, of course, have uh, the system of deities. Um, <clears throat> now, do those two play off each other at all? So you know, because you kind of mention them t- together. So I'm just like wondering that. I mean, obviously, you know, we already talked about the scourges a little bit, but you do have this section where you know you mention like the helpful gods of, of Ferul um, and the ability to like devote yourself to a deity, become their paragon, um, <clears throat> And you talk about some of the the special benefits that might come with that, uh, up yeah. to and including possibly resurrection, as long as you don't abuse their power. But like, do the do the gods and the scourges kind of are those are those systems that play off each other? Like, one can you know the we have, <laughs> being a paragon um, we have can help fight a scourge that actually uh, um, prohibits players from devoting themselves to a god. So hmm. they don't all work well together. Um, uh, for the most part, they're they're very they're very much individuals. Um, the gods each have their own kind of um, identity, and they give you individual uh, bonuses and whatnot, like buffs and um, all sorts of perks and and whatnot, and kind of like some combat elements that they can help you with, like defensive abilities. And um, the scourges are they work very much the same way. Um, they um, they are very individual uh, villains, and they, they don't really acknowledge each other or whatnot. So they don't. There's no. There's not much overlap there. They're okay. when they're in their game, they're doing their own thing. And uh, but yeah, the the one scourge that um, does not allow um, players to devote themselves to a god is called. Uh, well, she's actually one of the characters from Sean's chapters that he was writing on the Iron Oak website. I don't know if you have seen any of those, but uh, there's a character oh, called I... Warden Fra- Warden Fraby, and she's a priest. And so she's been uh, 
converted into a scourge essentially and uh so she's got some pretty horrible things that she can cause when she enters the game now so she's she's pretty cool i can't wait to get her in nice i I do remember a reference to her i don't know if i read all of the piece of lore surrounding her but i do remember the warden character uh popping up yeah Yeah, why well, I <laughs> I don't know. Like There's I just a lot. I know it's, it goes on and on. There, we're kind of surprised is. actually by the time we were finished all the you know the fine tuning on our campaign, how much stuff we really had. So there, there is, but you know, like it's on the same by by the same token, like it's so in some respects scrolling down it, it's easy to see you know why you've done so well and why you're able to build and seemingly sustain the momentum that you have because you know like it's really really. I mean, it, it's very complete. It really demonstrates, you know, like just the level of thought that's been put into this. And it does, you know, as you said, show off a game that's already like in a really healthy state. So um, is, is it not hard to see, you know, what the draw was there uh, for sure. Thank you. And such a small team. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we've uh, we've managed to accomplish quite a bit. I mean, there's been a lot of prep work going into the game. So, I mean, all the the work going into uh, just the Blackgate Unity prototype and everything. I mean, obviously, we're not using any of that code or anything now, but it's um, it's kind of greased the wheels in the entire process. So, I mean, it's made it much easier for us to make strides when uh, developing FTK. Definitely. Um, if you don't mind my asking, like, how did you pull everyone together? I mean, obviously, I know you and Gord know each other already, um, <clears throat> but you know, how did how did everybody else? And, I, and I'm assuming Sean uh, Sean Hoyle is also uh, one of the ones that's kind of within that circle. But you know, how did you pull in David? And how did you pull in John? And uh, who else did you mention here? We well, mentioned uh, Gord. You want to answer that? Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, there's <laughs> there's a few people that um, have have helped us out uh, in in varying capacities. We have. Uh, Chad and, and, and Henry and, and Gabe, our concept artist. And, um, uh, I knew a lot of them. So I worked, I, before working on FTK, uh, I was working at Clay Entertainment, the guys who do Don't Starve. Um, mm. And I worked with Dave there. And so that's where I knew Dave from. And so um, he had left Clay about a month or two before I did. And so... When it came time for me to make the jump to go full time on For the King, um, I immediately gave Dave a call because I knew he, you know, he had just left Clay, and I was hoping that uh, he was uh, still, um, you know, he didn't have a, another job. Unfortunately, he didn't, and, and he was he was fully game. Uh, once once you know we, we met with him, showed him the game, he he was he was pretty easy to convince. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and then the other guys. Yeah, because we're a small team, we there are some things that are just completely out of our wheelhouse, and that's like audio and, and animation. Um, and, you know, together, uh, we have over 27 years' experience as a team uh, in the industry, so we have a lot of contacts. We know a lot of people, um, so it was quite easy to find help for all those areas that uh, that, you know, we just felt that it would be better left to someone else to do. Um, and yeah, it, it just sort of came together organically. Uh, you know, you, you know, someone who knows someone and, um, they point you in the direction of, uh, 
of someone else. And that's sort of how we met our composer. It was th- through just a series of, of uh, interconnected relationships. So um, yeah, it all kind of just came together organically, but I think it was driven by the- just our... Huh? Go ahead. It was a long process too. I mean, it was. Like, yeah. It wasn't just like you know we snapped our fingers and I had a whole bunch of people working on the game. It was. I mean, Sean was the very first person that I, I contacted just because I I know how creative he is and whatnot. And then and then you joined and then um, we talked to uh, oh then Chad joined and then you know Chad knew our one of our audio guys and the audio guy knew our composer and this is like a series of events over you know a year probably so i mean it was just kind of a slow gathering of people and now we got a team so yeah well that's that's awesome and (laughs) i mean the team seems to work really really well overall because you know again what you've been able to produce um and really in not that much time is really good i mean i remember watching the teaser trailer back in july and it's just like wow (laughs) (laughs) i was all gorge so (laughs) well no i mean i couldn't done it without the code and stuff it's 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 all of us really working together and you know we had a large part of it we knew exactly what game we were making right from the get-go because of the blackgate prototype um and and then the work that colby did in in unity to prototype the digital version and uh, I'm pretty sure Dave's been coding for 50 years or something like that. So, <laughs> or 100, I don't know. Yeah, he's he's unbelievably fast and and proficient. He's he's launched a bunch of uh, games that he's done solo. He's been through that process many many times. Um, and so and we're focused and and it just it just sort of works. Yeah, we 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 know what tools to use. Um, and we, we basically know how to get things done, and we're super passionate about it. It, it didn't come without a lot of hard work and, and uh, not a lot of time off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been stressful, to say the least. It's been stressful, but, but well worth it, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Well, I, I, and it's cool to see this go so far. I mean, absolutely. you know, I, <laughs> I've been watching the, the Ultima fan community for a long, long time, and it's, you know... Is it's really cool to see these success success stories come out of it, right? You know, whether it's someone who, you know, like they start with a project and then they kind of turn it around and go and try and do their own thing. I mean, there were other projects that have tried to do that and, and utterly failed. Um, you know, uh, so the fact that you're able to do that is 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 wonderful. Um, you know, just just as much as it's like you know, cool to see you know, like a guy like Ian Fraser um, spearhead and lead. The, the Ultima five Lazarus project team. Right. And yeah. then pivot off of that. And, you know, now he's like lead designer for mass effect. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's wonderful to see those stories actually happen and see them come out of this community. That's really, really cool. So, you know, it's just, it's mostly just dedication. I mean, it's just setting yourself to do something and then sticking to it. I mean, unfortunately it's probably going to take you many years to complete that goal, but you know, once, once you have finished it, then you're, you're so much better off than you were before. So you've learned so much along the way and yeah, it's just, just a matter of just sticking to it and just being passionate for whatever you do. Yeah. Well, that is, uh, again, just, just awesome work guys. We're coming up on the hour mark, and I, I try. I don't always succeed, but I try to keep the episodes at, at about that mark. So, um, fair enough. I'm just going to, you know, quickly fire out a couple of little things, and then we can kind of all say goodnight. Um, so, again, you know, uh, 
for everybody. We've been talking with with Colby and Gord. They're they're at Iron Oak Games. They're uh, you know uh, a couple of the people behind For the King, a really exciting looking uh, RPG roguelike adventure that's uh, currently on Kickstarter. Um, totally, totally suggest backing the game. Uh, totally, totally suggest checking out the website I agree. Uh, of, of Iron Oak Games, um, which will all be in the show notes. I'll throw in, like, a, you've got a Facebook page, I think, and Twitter. You on Google Plus? We are, but kind not very well. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, it's so foreign to me. Every time I look at it, I'm like, what, what am I doing? I don't get it. Uh, that's mostly, yeah, it's mostly true of all of Google Plus, I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> its main utility, I think, is what we're doing right now, a hangout. Um, <laughs> But uh, I'll definitely make sure to put like all your social media in the show notes as well, and the, ki- the Kickstarter you. and the website. Um, so definitely for those of you listening, uh, for the King, really cool looking game, just such beautiful art, uh, really promising little thing, a uh, really promising design. By all means, check it out, back it. Um, they they have this great fifty nine dollar tier. You know, you can get like three copies of the game for you and your friends. Totally go for that. Um, and actually you can get co- additional copies of the game as add-ons, can't you? Yep. That's right. Yeah. You totally added be t-shirts as well. Ooh, t-shirts. Well, <laughs> <laughs> are there healing potions in the game? There's healing herbs. Okay. So the entire game uses a herb system. Um, so no potions, but yeah, we've kind of, we kind of want to steer clear of some of the more typical tropes. So we, uh, kind of developed this herb system. So there's many herbs in the game that do many different things. Okay. Uh, the only reason I ask is because, you know, you mentioned t-shirts and I'm just like, oh, yeah, I had this one idea for a t-shirt a while ago. It's like re- <laughs> real healing potions are yellow. <laughs> <laughs> in the world of Britannia. Yes, they are. Yeah. Anyways, uh, just quickly say, uh, you know, to, to the audience, uh, of course, always also always remember if you'd like to recommend uh, anyone for a shout out, send us an email. You can always use that to suggest podcast topics, offer commentary, criticism, uh, volunteer your time as a contributor. There's the Ultimate Dragons Facebook group. There's the Ultimate Dragons Google Plus community thing. Um, there's the UDIC hashtag on Twitter. Whatever your preferred flavor of social media is, consider hopping in on one of those. Um, the Ultima series has a Facebook page. The Ultima Codex has a Twitter account and a Google Plus page, which you know is about as well established as any other google plus page but whatever um whatever social network you you favor please consider sharing content posted there to your social to your own social media profile uh you know if if it's something that's interesting to you and uh do the same for these guys do the same for for the king you know uh, they talked uh, you know they talked a lot about how word of mouth really got the campaign going uh and you know by all means keep doing that um and then finally, if you like spam, 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 humbug, um, leave us a review. iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean. It, it just helps, you know, with the visibility. Um, oh, and the Patreon. Um, I've talked enough about the Patreon. Not a big deal. Uh, <clears throat> so, on that note, uh, thank you again, both of you, for, for taking the time tonight. This was really, really great. Um, I hope this adds to the buzz. Thank you very much. Yeah, Truly thanks so much it. for having us. Yeah. All right. Do it again. Well, you know what? Uh, we can always do a follow-up. 
Um, I mean, <laughs> there, it's no question now that you're going to have a successful Kickstarter campaign. That was that was that <laughs> you've already crossed that that hurdle. So uh, it'll it'll definitely be great to see. You know what you're able to do, how how far you're able to take this, um, what your final total is going to be, and then of course what that is going to mean for um, the future of the game. So. Thank you both. Uh, all right. Thank you. Wanna, you. Yeah, Thanks very much. Say good night. If you want to say good night to, to the audience, uh, by all means do. Good night, everyone. Good Thanks night, everyone. <laughs> okay. See you note, later. Yeah. Be virtuous. <laughs>